Do you do, do you do that still when when it comes to your birthday? Do you do like a little? I do. So if a clock. Yeah, but Sam's got the whole thing where it's like once it's past midday, it's it's midnight. it's tomorrow. Yeah, Mid- <laughs> past past Might as well be tomorrow. Hey, happy birthday, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> The sun's over the yard arm of my life. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, that, Jesus Christ. You know it's what? That's a message. That's today's quote. That's what it is. Let's just take oh, that. Great. That's, yeah. that's public now. Sam Gray, 2022. Oh, the God. sun's over the yard arm of my life. Yeah. But that's, I do what that. a, that's what a drunk says. A drunk says that. Yeah. I'm, but I am very much like as soon as it's like 12.01 in the a.m., I'm like, it's now Wednesday. Like, it's, I'm like, it's, it's the next yeah, but, day. And I'm like, that is senseless. It is senseless. Why would we have still, segments of time? Because you have to break it up by your sleep. <laughs> no, because some people don't sleep. So I how are they living? We can't do this in front of people. <laughs> See, the thing is that Samuel obviously believes uh, that the world revolves around the human experience, whereas Samantha <laughs> appears to believe that the universe exists around and without us. Uh, so <laughs> I don't know whose objective truth of us. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... But also, we made time, so maybe Sam's right. I don't know. Yeah, but, but I'm saying that then, if we're gonna if we're gonna create a construct and way to divide our lives up, we should adhere to the rules of the construct we've created. Yeah, but surely the rules of that include go to bed before ten, <laughs> which I sometimes do. Well, Whatever your ontology, we can all agree to go bed to bed before ten. We all right? could go yeah. to bed slightly earlier, and we all could sleep more. I'm- I think if we all take a deep breath and then breathe out. Um, it'll be a few seconds later than before and a few seconds closer to tomorrow. However, however you measure it, every every step we take is a step towards tomorrow. This will tomorrow. be a continual argument. I like it because if you look at an analog clock, okay. which is the, the time is going up looking at. when it's going towards midday or midnight and going down when it's going towards six. That feels right, does it? Yeah, it okay. feels like you're going downhill and then climbing up to the new day. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. That's truly insightful, Sam. <laughs> uh, it's a shame about the lack of analog clocks in my life otherwise. You know, I, I might find that to be a really uplifting thing. We have six in this house. You have six analog we have clocks. this one here that's above the podcasting table, which is black and white. We have okay. a rainbow clock in the study. We have an alarm clock, analog alarm clock what on our bedside three? table. Uh, your broken watch, your good watch, and my watch. <laughs> you're not counting the watches, sure. I count the and watches, they're the all one that analog. doesn't work. <laughs> like, it's like a broken clock isn't a clock anymore. It's, uh, I would actually love to actually... wear this large analog clock on the wall as a watch. Yes, I would. <laughs> as like a... Don't you dare bring Flavor Flav into this. <laughs> wait, 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 was that what you were doing? You were doing the yeah. chain, yeah. Amazing. I was I mean, using uh, visual gags on a podcast. <laughs> it's uh, an audio-only podcast. Yeah. See what my hands are doing right now? <laughs> I was giving everyone the pieces of a joke <laughs> and hoping that they came to their own conclusion. <laughs> Goodness gracious me. Uh, let's talk about some stuff. Yes. Cue music, please. Leather, yellow leather, strips of leather <laughs> hanging from my clothesline. Neighbors asking questions about the leather. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather, 
straps underneath my thighs. Oh, God. That's fucked. Hello, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And welcome to the Music and Everything podcast. I'm here with Sam and Sam once again. My name is Jim. It is a pleasure to have you with us. Who's wearing the hat today? It is I, Samuel Gray, who is wearing the hat. You're wearing it for the very first time. That's so sick. It is, and it fits actually really snugly. It fits you better than Samantha, I will say, but we have sort of genetically larger heads. Huge. Uh, huge. Huge Five heads. heads. <laughs> wow. It does look good. You're right. So Thank you can you. tell us exactly what it is that, uh, that we're going to have a chit-chat about today. Today we are going to have a chit-chat about the activity known arguably as spelunking. Arguably? No one calls it spelunking. No as far one. as I can tell, very few people call it spelunking. It's kind of like a, like a, if you, people are writing about it in, in like a news article or something, they'll say spelunking. And pretty much everywhere else it's called caving. Why, why do you think that is? Is it like people, you know, writing an article and feeling proper about it? It's like, and <laughs> they engaged in a course of spelunking. Is it well, a course? Apparently, it's, apparently it's just a term that just, just faded out. Right. Uh, and it was always, on, spelunking was only just a US term. It definitely sounds old-timey to me. Yeah. In a very kind of fancy curly mustache. Uh-huh, I'm going spelunking. <laughs> I hope I return. Farewell. Farewell, Miriam. Why Miriam? And why did I change from Mary to Miriam halfway through saying that <laughs> so it sounded like Miriam, which sounds like, a, an, like an element on the periodic table. <laughs> I feel like only you can answer these questions. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, I'm just voicing my concerns. That's all. <laughs> spelunking slash caving uh, is about exploring wild caves um, for recreation uh, or for science, it's an activity. It's a sport, it's a science, it's a pastime um, and it's more commonly known as caving. So um, this one in particular, ladies and gents, is going to be a tricky one uh, for us because of course we want to get excited about stuff, we want to we be thrilled about things that we don't necessarily know much about. Uh, but this podcast, you might not know this about us, but this podcast is, is made of three uh, rank claustrophobes. Um, <laughs> Yes. You know, I remember having a conversation with somebody, with a friend and, and trying to kind of relate to them. It's like, hey, you know that feeling where like you become aware of your toes and your shoes and you have a panic attack? <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't. I don't know that. So that's when I found out I was a claustrophobe. Uh, there was one time in Mexico where my jeans were tight and I had a panic attack during a sound check. And I, I ran upstairs after sound check into the uh, green room and took my pants off and immediately felt better. So this is why <laughs> today is going to be a bit of a challenge for us, but I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about uh, caving, which yeah. is what I'm going to call it now. I'm dropping Spelunky, I'm not no, fancy. it's dead to us. Also, it's important to also know that two of us are extreme arachnophobes. Yeah. Which is also not conducive with caves. Uh, Necessarily. And I'm terrified of the dark, so also... This is awesome. Good <laughs> so, job, guys. Yeah, Good yeah. topic. Well done. <laughs> Please enlighten us, Sam. Yes, indeed. Um, so if you actually were wondering about the word Spelunky, I want to talk about that a moment longer. I would love to talk about the okay, word Spelunky. Okay, because it is from a Latin root, which is just Spelunca, which is from a Greek root, which is Spelinx, which just means cave. So it is caving. It's just caving. <laughs> caving by any other name. Like, I thought it might have been Greek because of the presence of the K, but there you go. Greek through Latin. Doesn't Greek matter. through Latin to my ears and then to be ignored and called caving. <laughs> Yeah, so like you know, we're three people who are scared of the dark, scared of spiders, and scared of small spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we how do we get into this topic? And so, you know, we got in touch with the wonderful people in the subreddit r slash um, uh, caving. 
mm. a community of cavers, um, and quite a large one and growing one and thriving one at that. And um, we simply asked, you know, well, what, what's exciting about caving? And the responses that we got, I haven't actually read them uh, because I'm not allowed to do any research beforehand because I have to maintain idiot status. Um, it's my brand. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's totally deliberate, guys. Um, but I did see the, that there were some really lengthy, really in-depth responses. So I just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody over at r slash caving for being you know, open to somebody asking questions and really sharing what it is you're passionate about. So thanks very much for that, guys. So one of the first things that um, caving communities um, on that subreddit and elsewhere really want to stress straight off is that while they want to encourage the idea that caving isn't always that scary and you can actually engage with it, um, it is still, you know, like there are hazards involved that can be mitigated, but um, it's important to not go in without the right equipment, not go in with, without people who know what they're doing and you can teach you how to do it. That's really important. And I feel we should say that out loud. Yeah, don't, don't be so overconfident to go, hey, I'm going to jump into this cave now and just see what's in. Yeah, in the, the don't try this at home method. <laughs> yeah, well, try, try it at home with a friend. With a friend. Who knows <laughs> what they're doing. Yeah, so, you know, if the three of us are going, oh my God, I can't even fathom the thought of going into these caves. There was one particular comment that was an answer to our question about what excites you about going into a cave that I just absolutely loved. <laughs> And it's about, it's one sentence. It just says 90% exploration and 10% satisfaction that most people want nothing to do with caving. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's almost like the ultimate uh, hipster event then in that case. It's just kind of like, you know, I, I'm one of the very few people that are into this thing. Yeah. Uh, but no, I love that. I, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like that by listening to niche music as well. You know, like people that are really into like black metal or some really, really techie heavy shit, you know, and go like, yeah, it's not for most people, but it's definitely definitely for me. And I kind of get a kick out of playing it for people and having them look at me puzzled and whether they should call the police or not. You know, like that kind of stuff. But that's a really good answer. I like that a lot. So in what context would uh, somebody... I don't know, start caving? Like, how do you get into it? Like, what, what's, what draws you to it in the first place? Um, it's, it kind of seems like, like a few people have kind of said that they actually approached it as a, as a challenge to um, their inhibitions about, you know, like... True. About a challenge to claustrophobia and, and challenge to it and wanting to challenge themselves. Um, other people, I think, grew up with it. I, I, I heard that a lot. They're like, oh, I grew up with caving because, you know, I grew up with this outdoorsy family and we could do this. Yeah, cool. Same kind of people that go, I don't know, like bow hunting or, you know, yeah. camping a lot or anything mm. like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and hiking like a lot for of, us. Yeah, and hiking. Yeah, yeah true. Like, yeah, I suppose with uh, both of our respective families getting out in the, on the trails. On the tracks. Tramping. I can't wait to talk about hiking down the track, by the mm. way. It's going to be fun. <laughs> down the track, nice. Oh, no. <laughs> Accidental jokes are the best. Yeah. Mm, but there are also like pretty prolific mm. caving um, like communities and yeah. like societies yeah, and often called grottos which I think is really cool oh that's I did not know that that's really cool that's fucking sick yeah can we come up with a really good name for you know I don't know people that run a podcast that, that, isn't, <laughs> that isn't podcasters like it's like a really niche thing well like a, our own collective noun okay we'll work on that we'll workshop mm. that a platypus sure. of podcasters so yeah and like okay so our stereotype of what we were just talking about, like, okay, if we picture in caving, like, oh, it's kind of like really tight spaces, like crawling through things. Mm. Um, and a few people really wanted to say, it's not always like that. You know, it's, oftentimes it's it's even spaces. And people said things on this that I never would have considered. You know, for example, someone said, um, the, fir the first thing that draws them into the cave is the serenity. And they described it as like a sensory deprivation tank. 
See, that's incredible as well. That's that's being said in a positive light because that that in itself is scary to me as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I think the last thing that I want at any given time is to be alone with my thoughts and certainly not in one where I can't really hear anything else. But at the same time, the serenity element is something that I can definitely relate to because I discovered something uh, moving into our new house. We used to live somewhere that was really... Uh, closed in and had a lot of noise around, right? There was a you know train nearby. There were always trucks. There was this neighbor, that neighbor. There were cars going by all the time. And at the new place, it's, it's totally serene compared to that. There is constant bird noise though. And what I realized is that to me, birds aren't noise, they're sound. And it creates like this lovely kind of canopy of sound that wraps around the rest of the silence, which... It, appeals to me a great deal. It makes me really comfortable living there. But I can totally see how someone would feel that in a cave mm. if it had enough space. Mm. I mean, I've done sensory deprivation. Um, How'd I've, that go for you? I loved it. I loved it. But again, I mean, we could talk about potentially the gender difference between that because there's been substantial amount of research saying that women handle sensory deprivation way better than men do. Right. But um, I also... I, I, I can only think of dumb reasons for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but I, would you like to share any I of them do, with the class? Oh, just like, you know, I'm fucking, I want to get on with fucking my life. I want to go <laughs> yeah. back to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, mine was like, we're just so inundated by bullshit that it's just like we want it to yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's peaceful. For the same reason that, you know, like men want to get out of there, women want to stay there because yeah. they're away from the men. There's a nice little <laughs> sexist. How's that for a sexist joke for you? Oh, the old ball and chat. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean that that sensory deprivation, I suppose, is only really comes from if you really get in deep, though, as well, because caves. I mean, I've got a I've got a photo. You got a photo to show I have everyone. A photo on the oh, amazing for, for everyone visual on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> for those on who are who are listening on the audio podcast. Yes, it's a it's a photo of um, a cave in Vietnam, which is you know a bit about this cave. Tell, yeah, tell me yeah. about the cave so while I show Jim. I it's it's called. Um, well, it translates from Vietnamese into Cave of the Mountain uh, River wow. because there's an underground mount, um, mountain river under, underneath it. Um, and it's actually the largest cave in the world. Do I um, know this? Have I seen this before? You probably have. I've, it looks really familiar to me. But it was discovered only really recently. It's really cool, actually. Wow. It's the largest cave in the world by volume. You can fit a plane through it, can't you? Yes, you can fit a plane through it. Would you? I mean, why would you? Would you? But, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Like, you could fit a plane through it flying side by side and then instantly crash. Yeah. Like, how do you even get it in there? <laughs> but one of the most significant features of this cave to sort of describe this image is it's it's a basically you're looking from the bottom of the cave floor at the entrance and it's a it's like a skylight, but there's enough light and water getting in that there's a mm. forest at the bottom of the cave floor. Yeah, trees yeah. growing all trees the way Trees growing, down, which right. is not a common feature of caves of mm. this skylight style is a lot of the time they're too tight to get any light, so it becomes right. incredibly barren immediately. God, that's unreal. Really Isn't you, it beautiful? Like, I wish you guys that. could see this photo. <laughs> like, it's just so beautiful. Uh, I know it sounds like we're being hyperbolic, but man, it's it's just gorgeous, guys. That's no, really cool because it was it was um, discovered actually by accident in like the early 90s. There was a guy, this is in the middle of a very large national park in Vietnam, um, and there was a man who was um, searching for a particular kind of wood um, that's kind of traded. So, <clears throat> just <laughs> well, thankfully not. Because he's, he saw basically this huge opening with the, the rocks and the like, a sort of um, fairly horizontal to climb very steep. Mm. Um, and he almost went in and explored because you know he was just drawn in by this fascinating. But um, he felt he heard the rushing water and he felt the spray and the wind like throwing him back out of the cave. It's awesome stuff. Mm. Um, so he didn't attempt it, which is quite wise. <laughs> He came back the next day 
and um, he couldn't find it because, you know, it's very difficult to navigate in the wilderness. Um, it's only until about uh, nearly 20 years later, he's on another separate trip visiting the same um, area. Mm. And he um, finds it again. <laughs> he goes, oh my God, I found it. And he, he drew the route to it. The next year, surveyors, um, sorry, explorers come and, and uh, map it and get down there and map it. And That's they discovered crazy. it was the largest cage. cage. <laughs> largest cave in the world. The largest natural prison uh, ever found on Earth. I love that. that it's, it's like nature almost giving this guy mixed sig- signals. Like, you know, come check this out. And then water spraying. No, you probably shouldn't come in here. And then like a few years later, no, 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 come, come check it out. No, but then, no, getting, see, that, that's shaking. incredible. Like what, what, what just occurred to me is that like caving in this way could almost be seen as like engaging with um, the natural world you know, engaging with nature in a way that we normally wouldn't and engaging with something that we typically would find daunting, mm. you know, almost as like a, a challenge to yourself to kind of not just overcome something like us, you know, overcoming fear or paranoia about those sort of spaces, but also to, uh, to you know, take a risk and, yeah. and get the, the, the excitement of that, of, of doing something daunting in nature. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the cavers uh, said, you know, described in a really cool way in terms of the adventurism of it, you know, is that um, a lot of the caving process of getting through hard caves is like a, like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like a puzzle. Mm. Um, and sort of described as similar to bouldering in that respect. Um, that there's right. a lot of sometimes you have to sit and think for a long time, how are we going to approach this? How are we going to do it? How are we going to even set up the, the rigging for the, the cables? How are we going to, and ropes, how are we going to do it? Is there like, do you have a history of, of, popular caving at all like when when people sort of started doing it as as hobbies rather than as you know um i don't know natural exploration hmm, i'm not sure because i know in the u.s like you know with the along with the word spelunking <laughs> indeed um it started to become a thing from the 1800s onwards because there's lots of caves right, in the US. Okay. there's a ton of caves in the u.s um but i mean you know there's a there's a cave in the in china um which is not a wild cave at all um, it's a, what's what they call a show cave. So like a wild cave is one in which it's, it's wilderness. There's no handles, there's no steps, there's no lights. You're going in there and it's wild. A show cave is one that's set up with this, you know, safely so you can sort of walk in and walk out. Right, okay. Um, I think I experienced one of those in Vietnam actually. Oh, really? In Ha Long Bay. You know, you've got all the those rock formations that make up, you know, the iconic kind of view of Ha Long Bay. Uh, some of them you can actually enter and sort of walk through and, and experience that and like toweringly high. And that's why, you know, I didn't wow. have a problem with that, obviously. It still felt intimidating and kind of, you know, you're at uh, at the whim of nature at that stage, <laughs> you know, you're, you're taking part in something. But it was it was perfectly safe and, you know, it had a high ceiling, so I wasn't, you know, my heart wasn't in my mouth the whole time. But it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, so this so this cave in China, right, it's called Reed, Fru- Reed Flute Cave. Reed Flute. Um, do you have to roll the R, do you think? Um, I'm going to from okay. here on in. Sweetheart, um, sweetheart, let's bring it up as often as possible. <laughs> so it was sort of discovered in 1940, but that it's actually rediscovered. Because what they found inside... Rediscovered. ...was that there were inscriptions um, from Chinese poets, scholars, and, and the like that date back to the 790s. Jeez Louise. 790. 790. Okay. And because a lot of these inscriptions appear to come from different parts of China, mm. um, it, it's likely that people were kind of coming there, almost something analogous to a tourist destination, all the way back uh, in the Tong Dynasty in 790s. Because we've been doing come here and look at this shit for a really long time. Oh. A really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. 
See, that actually reminds me of something. I, th- I And I could, okay, I would love for people to correct me on this. Please correct me on this if I'm an idiot. But in... Um, the series of, of um, pyramids in Mexico, Teotihuacan, apparently was built over a really long period of time. And the people who then, who lived there, uh, ended up leaving for whatever, one reason or another. They either died out or they left. And then sometime later, a totally different group of people came and showed up and arrived and saw it. And it was so impressive that they genuinely believed it was built by the gods, like straight up one of the tightest things that I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And if you get a chance to go there, do touch wood post COVID um, because it's it's an incredible sight to see. Um, but yeah, similar similar along those lines where it's like you know you, something that is quite popular in one era, something that either populated or somewhere where people go all the time, and then huge amount of time passes, totally forgotten, and we come back and go like, isn't this nice? Look at what I found. <laughs> oh my god, we discovered a tourist destination. Come Brand here, look at this. New. <laughs> come here and look at this. Quick. But you know that gets sort of this sort of conversation is heading towards like what we're finding in the caves rather than why we're getting in the caves. Mm. Samantha, yes. Samantha, it's time for Samantha Science Corner where we talk about <laughs> what are caves and what are in caves. It's Saturday morning at seven a.m. We're interrupting your cartoons <laughs> <laughs> to learn about caves. Samantha Science Corner. No, um, it's, I thought it's it's probably important to like define what a cave is because there's a lot of different flavors, kinds of caves, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of and there are actual like scientific distinctions of caves and then um, kind of social distinctions of caves. So a cave is a void in the ground, which is... <laughs> so, once it again, is the void. Once again, we find uh, Sam creating the sound of urine without producing urine uh, <laughs> by filling a glass of water. Um, and it's specifically... A cave is specifically large enough for humans to enter. So if you can't enter it, it's not a cave. It's a channel. Um, and it's very human-centric, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I suppose like a shoe is a cave for a centipede. <laughs> And now I'm going to be checking my shoes for centipedes. God damn it. But I think what's really, really interesting is um, it it has to extend deep underground and it actually has to be deeper. So in order for it to be scientifically defined as a cave, it has to be deeper than the opening is wide. So the cave has to extend for further than the the diameter of the opening of the cave for it to be a a categorical scientific cave. I just want you to know that I'm refraining from making a chode joke. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Because what that means is that there's certain, um, so at Binibara, there's the Quibini Caves. Yeah. And we call that a cave, but technically it's not. It's like Binibara is, for those who aren't Binibara is a, uh, a place you can visit in Lamington National Park, which is in the Gold Coast hinterlands of Queensland in Australia. And it's beautiful. And we go there all the time and mm. do walks. And there's beautiful walks and Beautiful and walks. And there's and the caves. The Quibani Caves. The, is it Quibani or Quibini? Yeah, it's Quibani. Quibani Caves, which um, are old grottos or shelter caves for um, the indigenous people that lived in that region, in that area. Wow. Um, And they have like scorch marks from fire and stuff, but we call them caves, but they're not actually caves. By scientific definition. By scientific definition. Okay, right. And the same goes for sea caves. Well, that's just no fun. And grottos. But (laughs) I think think it's really interesting because I'm going to include all of these as caves because like they are... Yeah, they may as well be. So lowercase c cave versus (laughs) capital C C cave. cave. Much um, like the Catholic Church. What was really interesting is that most, so you're talking about Halong Bay, those um, structures in the water are all limestone because almost all caves in the world are formed from uh, solutional caves or cast caves. So water dissolves limestone, creates pa- passageways. That's how caves are formed. And also they're solution oriented, which is why they're supposed <laughs> to be around. Solutional yeah, caves. They're really so motivated. That is the most- I will be the hole I want to see in the world. <laughs> 
that is the most common form of cave. Is a limestone cave, and Halong Bay is one of those caves. Does that, that explains like the kind of drippies? The drippies and the, the, and the stalactites, stalactites and stuff like and that. Stalagmites and all yeah. of the all of the different features like, of caves. What are they made? Is that like calcium? Calcium carbonate. So what ah. happens is the water, because it's rushing through, it collects carbon dioxide, creates a sort of slightly acidic water solution which dissolves the limestone and then becomes like a calcium carbonate, which then when it drips, depending on if it's dripping slow or fast will create stalactites, which come from the ceiling, and stalagmites that come from the floor. I mean, Nailed as scientific it. as that is, is that um, it sounds pretty fucking metal, actually, when yeah. you put it like that. Well, I mean, there's that one cave that's pure sulfuric acid is flowing through it. It's yeah, it's wild. It is wild. So, like, it is I being it. eaten away by, by sulfuric acid. People have to wear gas masks and have to be really careful about their interaction with their skin in certain areas because it is just sulfuric acid. I feel like that one would almost be like a, you know, the call of the void. You know, mm. like when you're standing on a high thing and you look out and you're just like, jump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just like, just fucking do it. Um, it's kind of like, I feel like going into a cave like that would be something along those lines. Like if you weren't doing it for scientific purposes yeah. to kind of go and like, okay, let's analyze all of this. If you were just going in for an adventure, that's kind of one of those ones where it's like, you might die. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. But yeah, so, and then there's corrosional caves, which are formed by the erosion of water. And that's a lot of um, sea caves is the erosion of water from the sea floor. And then there's ice caves, which are sick. Oh, they're the sickest ones. They're so cool. Why are they sick? Because they're glacial caves. So they're caves that are formed in glaciers mm -hmm. because of the way that the water is uh, melting and free freezing. It creates these voids in the ice, but they're incredibly unstable because they can just crack it because glaciers constantly moving. And they'd be ever-changing, right? I mean, ever-changing. So you can sometimes get a new one up here. They're amazing. One year. I mean, I, if you're going to go caving, I feel like ice caving is the riskiest business. Yeah, I mean, ever shifting. Yeah, you know. well, it certainly sounds that way. A bit slippy dippy as well. Yeah. But you get to go into the like perfectly uh, cylindrical tubes of ice. Oh, and if you mm. light it in a perfect yeah. way, like it glistens. And it looks like the Doctor Who theme from 1974. It looks like the Doctor Who theme from 1974. So you could be like Tom Baker's face, just like going <laughs> through the tube. I would love. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, it's just, I feel like you're the only one who knows. <laughs> Who knows I what mean, you mean? I have seen it, but <laughs> not so because nice. I wanted to. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. But talking about what's in caves, so like one of the lots of, uh, I can think of a lot of different reasons why people would be drawn into caves. One of the things is that the natural rock formations and structures that come from the construction of the caves over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So the mm. way that the passages are formed, stalactites, stalagmites, the fact that some of them are um depending on the way they're formed, can have amazing crystal structures throughout them because of the dissolved limestone becomes gypsum, which is like makes these amazingly fragile and delicate crystals, which glisten. Mm. Um, you know, ice caves, they forever changing. Like that appeal alone, I can kind of see why people are drawn into it. Yeah. One of the things that makes me not want to go into caves is what's inside of caves in terms of the living things. The living things. I was just going to say in terms of that, that kind, just the structural stuff, I mean, you, it, it sounds alien. Yeah. It sounds like something you're not going to see anywhere else on earth. And in that way, that's super appealing as well, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, just the idea that it's like, you know, I could die without seeing something entirely unique. You yeah. Know, that's not something I necessarily want to miss out on. If I can see like a, I don't know, some kind of what appears to be a magical flowering stone, you know, like <laughs> I would love to be able to go and experience that. Yeah, and I think that was what some some of the uh, respondents on your the subreddit were saying that like it's one of those things where it's like you will never be able to see something like this anywhere else. Like mm. you have to go into caves to see this yeah, stuff. Yeah, like short of going to the fucking moon. Yeah, and like yeah. 
you know, and I, I think one of the responses, I don't know if you've got this here, yeah. where they're talking about like, they're never going to be able to go to space. They're never going to be able to go to these places. But going into caves is almost like trying to take that feeling of adventurism and it, and putting it into a real world context is mm. something you can achieve. Like, I'm not going to go see the bottom of the ocean floor mm. for various reasons, including the reasons why I wouldn't go into caves. <laughs> but like caves seem like a closer reach. Mm. Yeah, and you know, it's important to remember that it, we can act like, we shouldn't act like uh, all caves are like explored. Like it's far from it. Um, huge amounts of, uh, there's cave stone are not explored. You know, there's, there's limestone all over the world. <laughs> limestone covers 10% of the earth's surface. And mm. I think we've only, I watched David Attenborough's documentary last night. It was very good. <laughs> I was, highly I was, recommend. All of this stuff is coming really fresh and crisp. So no, yeah. no wonder. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Planet Earth would highly recommend. My man. But you know, someone said that, um, that same um, person who was saying, you know, I'm not, not going to explore space or the ocean. They said, through caving, I was able to literally be the first human being to step foot somewhere, map that place, and name it. It's truly an unreal experience. Wow, that is that's just enormous content, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Oh my god! But- that intersection with caving between a pastime and um, a science, and that. Um, you can kind of drift between those roles if you um, learn the art of cartography. But I mean, at the same time, I sp- like I don't think I know anyone that got into archaeology as an adult that wasn't so into ancient stuff and archae- mm. the concept and the idea of archaeology when they were a kid. You know, it's like maybe if you're into caving and you're into all of this stuff, it leads you to these professions where you do end up going, you know, caving and you're measuring all the spaces and stuff. But that, my God, that just blew my mind. I'm sitting here, I'm, I got goosebumps about that. Yeah. I mean, like think about discovering a new species or a new species of plant or something and then you get to name it, like that kind of thing. But it, mm. it, like combine that as well with ground no one has trod. like, mm. And so few people will. So and few, so few people and will. And like, uh, that's a, I think that's the other thing. Like when we're talking about like, being hiking like people, people who enjoy getting out in the forests and stuff. I mean, we've been on tracks that have been clogged with people because it's very easy to do, it's quite accessible. There are places in caves that only a handful of people will ever see because mm. it takes someone of that skill and of that, um, you know, experience, des- experience and, yeah. and desire and bravery, in my opinion, in some instances, <laughs> based mm. on some of the, um, you know, some of risks the stories involved, and some yeah. of the risks involved. It's just such a unique experience. It practically is the moon. Yeah, and it, it almost makes you want to try a little bit. A little bit, yeah. No, a I, little bit. And honestly, it's, it's really interesting because I still, I can't see myself doing this. Mm. But what excites me is that, you know, we're hearing and getting insight into stuff that's like, oh no, I can see why that's exciting. Or I can see why someone would just find this to be magical and like why, mm. what I want to do. And I hope that there are people out there listening to this right now feeling the same way and then maybe going, yeah, you know what? I am going to look up a, a, a group. I might give it a go. Don't do it yourself. Don't. Do it yourself. Don't do it yourself. Don't do it yourself. No, don't do it yourself. <laughs> but I don't think- listen to some magic. <laughs> Always make contact and like online communities are great for that as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, Our Caving Alone, is uh, the amount of resources already yeah. on there of people helping people get started, especially if you're in the U.S., Mm. I love inclusive stuff like that, by the way, just as an aside. Yeah. You know, because there's so much gatekeeping Mm, out there when it comes to everything. And it's in music as well. I mean, I suppose that I'm just speaking to my experience that, and there's a lot of people out there that listen to progressive metal, for example, who, you know, would poo poo people who listen to only the surface level of that or like the bands that everyone's heard of. And it's like, oh, well, you, of course, you've heard of Dream Theater, darling. (laughs) And I don't know why I did that voice because none of them sound like that. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, that kind of gatekeeping of like, oh yeah, you're not a true 
yeah. fan unless you do this, you know. So it's cool to see a community that's kind of like, oh, you want to get into this? Fuck yeah, dude. I love this. Come and yeah. join us, you know. No, and it's really, it's really awesome um, to, to, you know, having interacted with this and being very clearly not people who cave and then being so willing mm. to share so much. Mm. Um, but speaking of the like kind of unique uh, specific cave specific sort of environments as well, it's like caves have some of the most unique creatures in them as well in terms of like you literally, there, there are there is a group of animals called troglobites and that's troglobites. bites. And they exist the only. The digital troglobites. Oh, come on. <laughs> that, that, no. Get out. <laughs> but they only that's exist a, just in Just one step too far. They only exist in caves, um, and they all have the same sort of features. But they're and and they're all so uniquely fascinating. And I'm not going to be talking about any of the spiders. There are so many. <laughs> I'm not talking about them. And there is also. Can we talk about the spiders? Do you think? Just briefly. Oh well, briefly. Okay, we'll start, we'll, we'll start. We'll start. We'll start with the spiders, and then move on to the interesting, more interesting okay. stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um. There's. They're usually white and milky. Oh. And tiny. No, white milky oh, small spiders. Yeah, or trapdoor spiders. Is it white and milky because it's like dark? Loss of there, pigmentation. Of, oh wow. So most so, of them oh, yeah. lose pigmentation, most of them lose their eyesight. But it's also small because pretty much all cave animals are small because there's fewer calories that they could potentially eat there on the moon. Apart from the <laughs> Nelson cave spider, which is not small and is horrifying. The Nelson cave spider. I don't have a photo. Wait, I did not. I'm on glad. a scale of small to not small, where Huntsman are we? sized. Oh, okay. So, like, a huntsman spider in Australia is about the size of your hand. Yeah. Oh, sorry. In Australia, when we say large spider, we mean size of your hand, or dinner greater. plate, or greater, <laughs> yeah. not tiny. Salad bowl. <laughs> get get the biggest bowl you have and try to get it on top of it while it scuttles at great speed towards you. And moves in 360. Yeah, it's horrifying. What? Anyway, so <laughs> I'm scared of spiders. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Come to Australia. Oh, they're, this oh, but uh, there episode is... is sponsored by Australian Tourism. Uh, <laughs> Um, but there is also, um, there's rumour, I remember watching a documentary about a thing that exists in a cave, which is a spider-scorpion hybrid. Fucking yes. How did that come up? It's like someone it's got adventurous. <laughs> it was slim pickings for a while in the cave there. It's just kind of like some scorpion looking at a spider and going, you'll do. 4am <laughs> at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Lights are fucking up Christ. and they're just like, yes. But I think what's really cool is not those sorts of, because also spiders are technically troglozines. They are Wait. Can you can you tell me just before you go on? Yeah. Why does everything start with troglo? Because it means underground. <laughs> so that's the prefix. Yeah, I believe so. So like underground. Well, I could look it up. Bite. Troglozine. So there's a trog there's troglobites, which are cave limited species. Troglophiles, which um, live their entire lives in the cave, but also exist in other environments. So spiders are in that category. Troglozines oh, that use caves but cannot live in caves permanently, and then accidentals, which are People like people that fell in caves, <laughs> but also like foxes taking refuge in caves. Like animals that oh, go right. in there for temporary, like shelter. Oh, like can humans. We, can we please put a pin in that because I want to talk about caves and safety, um, mm -hmm. in the opposite way that we've been discussing it. Um, yes. No, yes. Actually, you know what? While while Samantha's yeah, yeah, googling, yeah, well, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna, let's let's dig into this shit. Um, <laughs> Just you and me. You and me, Sam. We can do this two man team. How's it going? No, so. <laughs> Caves and safety, right? Like this whole time we've been talking about being careful and, mm. you know, going with a group and, you know, not doing it yourself and getting to know what you're doing. But also it's like caves have a history of being a safe place for mm. human life and animal life and, you know, to the point where we have a kind of catch-all mm. term for either pre-human ancestors or early human ancestors as cave people. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's, again, 
idiot. Uh, it's something that just hadn't even occurred to me while we're talking about caving. It's just like this has literally come to me now. Mm. You're like, yeah, maybe maybe it isn't so bad. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should go in and check it out. It might Especially because quite a lot of them are really not that cramped. Right. They actually are mm. like the deer cave one, wasn't it? Isn't it like mm. 200 metres Tall or something like that. Well, that's obviously like, an extreme example because it's one of the biggest in the world. But but um, like a lot but of it, them, can, it can and does exist. Yeah, yeah. It, it can yeah. happen. Yeah. So uh, etymology. Etymology. Etymology break. Troglobite means comes from the Greek <gasps> troglo, which means whole, and then bios, which means life. So it's whole life for my whole life. Yes, but <laughs> whole life whole living life. in I've my been hole. waiting my whole life. But okay, so. Your so troglophiles that would be like the cave spiders, the cave insects because they, they come in and they out. Just fucking love the hole, and they 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 can live there, but they also don't have. Don't to laugh live at there. that, Sam. Don't do it. Don't laugh at that. Don't um, be so juvenile. The other classic <laughs> cave dwelling animal, the bat. Oh yeah, is a troglozine because it it has to exit to eat. It mm. can't actually survive if it existed only within the cave system, so it has to come and go with its noms with its, its with belly. its with its snacks. And something that's really uh, scary about being a bat living in a cave is there's lots of hazards as you leave. There's lots of hazards as you come back. You could have, while you're feeding, you could have eagles catching you. While you're coming back in, there could be a tall snake. And everyone goes shopping at the same time. <laughs> it's just like, it's a whole thing. Peak hour for the bats is intense. It's actually really intense. It's like the only hour they have. It's just like, <laughs> um, all right, everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's some really, really interesting animals that exist. And these are the troglobites, the true, wait, true cave wait, I see animals. The, oh, the true cave ones. Yeah. Are we getting to some creepy shit now? No, no, no. Other I only got photos of the cute ones. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. You got photos to show yeah. everyone. <laughs> for everyone to see. Share with so, the class. We have... This beautiful little, it's called the Tumbling Creek Cave Snail. It's a white <laughs> snail that is very, very tiny, tiny snail. It's gorgeous. And it's huggable I'll, for I the I want record. you guys to know that we've got uh, Dale Prinzi here uh, who's doing all of our tech side of stuff and he's actually deliberately coming and taking uh, video footage and photographs for the purposes of you guys while Samantha brings her visual aids to the podcast. <laughs> well, um, the really interesting thing about this particular cave snail is it lives in one cave system in Missouri. It's unique to that one place. Unique to that one place. Wow. It only exists in that Why one leave? place. Why um, leave? Yeah. Well, I Got mean, everything because, we bloody need. Because like- You it, can't. It really, it really ought to leave because it's not thriving, but that's fine. Oh. Moving on. But it's fine. There's conservation groups working on it. And there's a lot of cave conservation groups now, particularly because that interaction between humans and caves, you need to like mitigate that. And because it's such a small ecosystem, I suppose yes. you can kind and of- delicate. Yeah. Um, so the next one I've got here is the cutest, most horrifying, most adorable thing in the world. All right, those three things are mutually exclusive. Because, <laughs> specifically because it doesn't have eyes. Okay. It is the Texas Blinds uh, oh, Salamander. Everybody so, Google that right now. Everybody <laughs> get your phones out. It's so cute. So it's pink. It's got little ear flippies, which it actually helps feed with. It filters uh, nutrients in the water. And it's got like little Wait, leggies. Wait, ears eat? Um, well, it, is that like, what you're telling me? It like me? senses stuff and it like knows stuff. Okay, so what it does is it looks a, a little bit, little bit like a penis with pegs for legs and an extra long nose, and it looks like it has I coral for ears. Most, a lot of people would know what an axolotl looks like. It's like an axolotl Wait. but caves. Do you know what an axolotl looks like? It's yeah, one it's of like these a, it's like with the, eyes. The fish that can. It's like a breathing fish. That can, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm saying a it's bunch a salamander, of things that guys. are mutually exclusive. It's a salamander. Okay. Right. They're the same species. This one's just a cave version. It's a breathing like fish. By the time we've gone dead. around this whole chat, everyone's Googled it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so it lives in Texas, which is why it's called the Texas Blind Salamander. Oh, that's cute. 
Um, and then what we have is, I've actually got two photos for this because um, it's the Alabama, Alabama cave shrimp. It lives in Alabama. Alabama cave shrimp. It's um, completely see-through um, and it is. It sounds like a wrestling maneuver. It is. <laughs> Tiny. He's going to give you the shrimp. He's going to drop so, the Alabama cave th- shrimp. I think this is a penny. It is the tiniest little friend. Oh, it is very small. Although I don't know how big a penny is. It has um, Abe Lincoln on it. So Yeah, I don't know. Americans All the tell Americans us whether listening that's to this going relevant. like, Mitz, um, like, you're an idiot. And then it's we've got... Penny, dude. Uh, this is actually the most interesting one that I found, which is the cave oh angelfish. It's, um, it's a kind of like skinny pink fish and it's got... Two sets of fins at the front, two sets of fins at the back. And it actually hooks onto cave waterfalls with microscopic hooks because it only exists in two caves in Thailand, specifically in the waterfalls of the caves. Of so those there has to be running water for it. Has to be running water because it feeds off the, the nutrients being dragged into the cave. So Because one of the important things about caves is all of the nutrients to feed all of the life in there has to be brought in. So it's either through bats bringing in food and dropping food or droppings yeah, or it's water coming and bringing in bacteria and microbes and plankton and things like that. So they are completely isolated ecosystems. <sighs> so fucking sick. It's really cool. I was thinking about it like um, the, 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 you know, the surface of the ocean floor, you know, like the, the deep, deep ocean. And again, yet another place that isn't fully explored, obviously. But you think about the types of life that exist down there that we've only discovered through, you know, science and being able to figure out how to get our fragile bodies <laughs> down that deep and under that much pressure. Um, but when you think about those sort of unique creatures and you go, well, there is a lot of ocean to go around. So there may well be tons of those that exist and we only see them, you know, ever so rarely. Mm. Whereas with these, we can fairly, you know, definitively say there are like 10 of these guys yeah. <laughs> in the world. They exist in such extreme conditions. So this animal, the, the cave angelfish, it exists in cave waterfalls. And there's also cave mollusks. So we were talking about the sulfuric acid cave. Mm-hmm. There are small, tiny fish that live in the sulfuric acid. They live like that. So they live in the, in the rivers of sulfuric acid and they survive. And that's they, their ideal habitat. Yeah, that's how they... And they're, they, they're known as extremophiles because they exist in such an extreme This condition. is fine. But they're fine. Extremophile. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not even trying. No. It's just like, what are we going to call these guys? I don't know, man. They're insane. <laughs> like, we could just call them insane. No, extremophile sounds good. All right. Sick. Yeah. But um, something that made me, um, from watching the documentary, realize like I have actually been technically in a cave um, because one of the things, because Australia doesn't have a lot of like wild caves that we know of, but we do have glowworm caves. Yes, we do. Yeah. Did you know, and, and cop this. <laughs> the um, steep sigh from Samuel. <laughs> Arachnocampa flava, I believe. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. What? Arachnocampa flava, I think, is the scientific name for one of the uh, the uh, types of glowworm that we have. You can look this up, I'm Samantha. Like, Dude, let's do it live. Let's <laughs> fucking check. Uh, and I, honestly, I only think I remember that because it sounds a bit like a drum film. <laughs> <laughs> Arachnocampa flava. So it's like... It, <laughs> Jim um, is correct. Yay! Ten points to Woo! me. That's great. But ten points to Gryffindor. So, like glowworms, obviously. You reckon? Um, Are we going to get into this? We're not. Doing this. <laughs> we're not even going to do this. Let's talk about glowworms. So, okay. um, Sam and I have been into a glowworm cave, and it was a very spacious, not cave. It was a room that they've made to look like a cave to have glowworms. 
Samuel didn't like that very much because it was a small dark space. Well, it's because I got into there and I was thinking, oh, it'll be great. I'll see the glowworms and stuff. But it never occurred to me that they would close the doors and turn out all the lights <laughs> and leave you in a room filled with bugs. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that's exactly what was, that's on the ticket. Man. It's, it's like, written on the outside. Come well, see the glowworms. Well, and also because they, um, they feed, it. they keep half of them fed and the other half not fed. So you can have some that are glowing and some that aren't, but they fed them while we were in there. Which of course is to release a box of flying bugs. Of bugs. <laughs> I also learned about those that um, they, when they go from their larval kind of glowworm form to the kind of mosquito-y form that they, they have, I, I think, um, they trade a digestive system for a reproductive system. Yes. So it's like that they go and they're like, let me smash. And they're like, that was nice. And then they die. Um, <laughs> yeah, they literally go, we don't need a digestive tract anymore because we just need to pass on our genes. I, I no longer hunger for anything. But smashing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. But yeah, I think that, I mean, there there's some really, really interesting life in there. A lot of it would be amazing to see. I mean, a lot of it is also quite, like we were watching the cave documentary and there are a few moments where we're just like, oh no, like oh, it's no. a pile of poop covered in cockroaches. And I'm like, no, wow. no, thank you. But yeah, you know, like an- another one is that they're, they're also can be very hard to find. Like yes. when we watch documentaries like that, because they're obviously seeking them out, you kind of might be fooled into thinking, oh wow, there's this sort of, life everywhere in caves. But for the most part, it's that's not the case. you got people much more trekking sparse through caves. Much more difficult to find them. It's much more of a, a sort of near silent environment. Even so, I know, like, I think it's important to kind of say for the sake of, of people listening that of course we're not saying in, in any way that say a giant pile of guano covered in cockroaches is uh, definitively... Repulsive. It's, you know, it's like there are people out there that are in no way as close to being repulsed, or if at all, by stuff like that. In fact, they might find it something fascinating to investigate. Yeah. Um, and again, that's kind of the insight that we're trying to get here is to mm. to to look at these places and look at the stuff within them and kind of go, all right, now I need to sort of step past my own revulsion or my my body's kind of irrational mm. meets rational fear mm. uh, about it and kind of go like, ah, oh, what's that? So I, you know, I can. I can definitely get into the head of somebody right now. Yeah. That wants to see that kind of, uh, have that kind of experience. Well, one of the big themes of this whole thing has been this connection between caves and caving specifically and discovery. Um, you know, we've been talking about the, like the wildlife you discover in it. We've talked about discovering the caves themselves. Um, and uh, there's a few great stories of, of this sort of discovery. And I think my favorite one um, is about uh, Lascaux Cave in France. I hope I'm saying right. Really bad with can you, French. Can you spell L-A-S-C-A-U-X. it? L-A-S-C-A-U-X. I think that's pretty close. Yeah, Lascaux sounds good. Okay, we're right, at so consensus. Let's, let's send <laughs> some angry French tweets and correct us if we're wrong. Yeah, so um, uh, Lascaux Caves are the, um, one of the oldest um, Paleolithic um, artworks. It's a cave, ancient cave drawings. And um, it was discovered in 1940 by a bunch of kids <laughs> um, who were doing something that is probably very irresponsible, which is uh, doing some caving with very limited equipment and stuff that they'd made themselves. But anyway, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Different time. Um, Yes, you know, these kids knew there was a cave there. They dug through this bit where there's a hole. There's this really long shaft downwards and they follow it down with some rope. And this sounds like like something out of a movie, Mm. like because the first kid to go down, he um, gets all the way down and then, oh, then slips. Oh, he goes, like lands on the floor, his lantern rolls. When he finally picks up his lantern and lights it again, he looks up 
um, and sees this like much larger cavern than they anticipated. And he goes down what feels like even a hallway. And at the end of it are these paintings of bulls and oryx and, and horses. Oh my God. That, you know, date back tens of thousands of years. It's, it's like walking into a cathedral of some kind, you know, that's, mm. that's wild. Yeah. Innately spiritual space. It just it would just it would just give give you chills. Yeah, I mean, think actually, there's there's a thought as well. Just something again, dumb brain connecting two little sparky bits. Um, thinking about a cathedral, right? You know, like we're not religious people, but you know, mm. I grew up singing in a, a cathedral choir. It was where I started singing, actually. Um, and the the acoustics of a cathedral, like mm. building a space like that, in order to create this large and kind of larger than life echo when, you know, a priest or whoever is talking is talking and give it kind of gravitas and importance. And then when people sing in that space and play music in that space and how that resonation happens, you know, it, it really is kind of familiar. It is mm. kind of uh, similar to a cave in that way, I guess. Like if you That's walked into that place, that little bit of um, safety in the Lascaux Caves, yeah. which again, I'm, I'm going to say with confidence that we're <laughs> pronouncing that even semi-correct, you know, walking into that space and kind of hearing your voice booming in resonating in walls where there hasn't been a voice for yeah. tens of thousands of years, mm. that is some goddamn fucking magic right there. Mm. And and I'm I'm now very excited about caving. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, too. I'm still not going to do it. I don't. Oh, no. Think I'm do it. no, I mean people take some amazing photographs and like that's. I mean that's one way you can guess. I live vicariously through others who who have access to and are, and, are, and are able to do these things. But I don't know. I think. I think it's pretty magical and maybe, maybe I should maybe I should take under the challenge. Maybe I should like find a, a, a mm-hmm. group of people that do this and go like, hey, so listen, I'm a terrible, terrible claustrophobe, uh, and I need to kind of overcome it. So maybe that's a good way to do it. Um, what a wonderful topic, guys. There's one more. Oh, one before well, I finish up. Go. There's really one more quote that I really want to share. Yes, because I think it's it's so fantastic, um, and it, and it gets to all of the stuff we were just talking about. Um, they said. Did you ever go to a discovery zone as a kid by chance? Uh, like a full-on labyrinth of tubes and slides that you could legitimately get lost in, at least as a five-year-old, and it felt like an endless source of exploration with no real goal but to see what else we could find. It was the jungle gym to end all jungle gyms. Caves are my adult jungle gym. Caving is the only thing I've found where I consistently get that same childlike sense of wonder, that incredible urge to explore everything. Unreal. Unreal. Let's do it. I'm, I'm <laughs> Field trip. Oh, that's so exciting. You know, we, we should have just got that person just to write a whole script and we could have done that for an episode. That is that is so exciting to hear. Um, this was really cool. This is, this is stuff that I, like, honestly, I'm so glad you guys dove so deep into that because, you know, this is stuff that I've literally never heard before. And I hope that that's, uh, there's some people out there like me going like, wow, what an insight. That's really great. So if caving is something that you, might interest you now that you've heard a little bit about it, Maybe hit up the r slash caving subreddit, see what they have to say. Maybe see if you can find groups in your area that you know you might want to try with them. But yeah, again, definitely don't do it alone. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. This was awesome. This is always fun. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for hanging out. Anytime. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media at the Music and Everything Podcast on Instagram and at TMIE Podcast on Twitter. And send us through anything you want us to take a look at and see if we can get excited about it as well. We love you. Bye from me and Sam and Sam. Bye. Bye, everyone. Take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.